He is risen. Good afternoon, Soma family and friends. Have you ever experienced a situation where your actions and your words don't line up? Well, it happens to me, or has happened to me more often than I'd like to count. When Janet and I were first married, we had this crummy vacuum that I would hear her complain about. It didn't, it didn't um, clean up right. It was heavy. The bag was hard to exchange. And so I got this idea that I'd purchase her another vacuum, make her life a little bit better. And so I started to research those, and it was near our first wedding anniversary. And so I, was, I thought, okay, I'm going to splurge a little bit, and I'm going to get the best vacuum I could afford. And so I did. Our first anniversary, to show her my love and how much she means to me, I presented her with this vacuum. And as you can imagine, that did not go well, a little flat. And we do that as broken people. Our actions don't always line up with our words and it, in, in all sorts of ways. But today, we serve a risen king whose actions always line up with his words. He is true. Jesus' actions through his resurrection is God saying, I'm here. Jesus is alive, and we experience his presence by the power of the Holy Spirit. We celebrate today his victory over the grave. In Matthew 28, uh, it records Mary Magdalene as one of the first persons to go to the empty tomb. Now, Mary had, was a follower of Jesus. Earlier on, Jesus had healed her of demonic spirits. These demonic spirits would have affected her both physically and mentally. She would have been more than likely ostracized from her community and to her family. And so now here she is at the tomb of Jesus and it's empty. What could she have thought? Is my life going to go back to where it was? Was the demons going to be back and invading her life again to the life she used to have? She was in despair. Every year our family takes a trip, and we go to Lake Perigen, which is in Winthrop, Washington. And we've done it for years and years. It's a, a wonderful family tradition. And this one particular time, um, I we had brought our son, our youngest son. He was probably five years old at the time, and he was about and that was about 17 years ago. And he struggled with asthma, but he had an inhaler, which he used on occasion when his breathing got uh, complicated. But on this particular night, he woke us up in the middle of the night. It was pretty late because he couldn't breathe right. And, of course, we are worried and nervous. But we go to get the, the inhaler to give him some medicine, and we can't find it. We were camping 17 years ago, and we forgot to pack his medicine, his inhaler. So he's struggling to breathe about midnight. And I'm fearful. I'm worried. What's going to happen? There's, we didn't have cell phones at that time. So we drive into town because we knew that there was a, a volunteer fire department there. But this is at midnight. We get there. It's dark. It's black. It's shut down. Nothing. So we go into the, to the town, and we park, and we pray. And it's just a one-lane little town, and it is quiet. There's nobody there. And 
we knew that there was a hospital about an hour away. And I don't know that, I don't know what to think. If he can make it an hour, he was really struggling. And so we decided to go. We begin to leave. And I see a car coming down in the other lane. And it pulls in and it parks right next to us. And I look out the window and there's that red cross, the symbol of an aid car. And my fear is gone. The Lord provided and his presence in that aid car and in those paramedics, I released all fear and I was okay because I knew my son would be fine. Today, Jesus is here. He says, I'm your paramedic. I can come and save you and comfort you. Back to the story, Mary, after had, in, in, in um, the Gospel of John, Mary returns to the tomb after talking to the disciples. And she, um, she's in the tomb. Jesus is not there, and she's crying. And Jesus appears. And he says to her, woman, why are you weeping? And he said, because they've taken my Lord. She didn't know it was Jesus. She thought it was a gardener. And Jesus, in his compassion, reveals himself to her and just simply says her name, Mary. And immediately, she recognized Jesus, and she yells, Rabboni, which means teacher. And the story goes on to say that she ran back to tell the other disciples. She was full of great joy and awe over what she just experienced. She knew now things were going to be okay for her because of Jesus is present, Jesus is alive. We have 24-hour emergency contact with our Lord whenever we need him. And he tells us that I'm with you and to fear not. The, it's recorded that the Bible uses the phrase, fear not, I am with you, or something similar to that. 365 times, which I am so grateful for that I need the Lord to remind me every day of every year to fear not because he's with me. And when he says fear not, he always follows that up with his presence. He's alive. His presence allows us to fear not in all kinds of situations. He says, I am with you. His resurrection has proved it. His word is true. I have no idea what your year's been like here. With the coronavirus, financial worries, conflict and politics and division and culture, we have worries. But the good news of the gospel is that Christ defeated all of our fears at the cross, and we can trust in him. He is our comfort, and he is bigger than any and all of our fears, and he is here. He's alive. The resurrection of Jesus is God saying, I'm here. Jesus, thank you that you are here, that you have risen, and I have no fear. Actions speak louder than words. What does Steve tell us? What's the, what's the resurrection tell us? What did he say? I'm here. Say it with me, church. I am here. Second statement that's louder than words is, we win. I <clears throat> say it with me, we win. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know about you, but I love a great story. And I've probably mentioned before that I learned to read by going to the local drugstore, 
going behind the spinner racks of the comic books and sitting there and reading Superman comics. I didn't pay for any of them. I just read them and put them back. <clears throat> and in every Superman comic, it looks bad for Superman, and then justice prevails. And somehow I got conditioned to like that kind of story. And if you're like me, Resurrection Sunday is a great day. Except it isn't fiction. It's 100% true. Now go back with me in your mind to the day of the crucifixion. Think about how the followers felt when they watched him suffer and die. When he breathed his last breath and said it is finished and the sky went dark. How do you think they felt? Hopeless, defeated, despair. Yeah, all of that. And then think about Saturday. Waking up on Saturday, could you imagine the disappointment of everyone who had followed Christ? Jesus is dead and he's still dead. The nightmare is real. It wasn't a dream. Satan, sin, and death had won again, or so it seemed. That's why the gospel is such good news. On Friday and Saturday, all is lost, the agony of defeat. Jesus is dead, and our hopes are dead too. But then Sunday comes, and we experience the thrill of victory. And friend, perhaps for you, life can feel like certain defeat. I want to tell you a story, it won't surprise you, it's a Cougar football story, of certain defeat. In 1979, uh, Coach Jim Walden took the Cougars to play the USC Trojans in L.A. at the Coliseum. The Cougs had won a few games. USC were the defending national champions. Um, both teams' buses arrived at the, at the same time at the Coliseum, and Walden, being a polite Midwesterner, said, let USC get off the bus first. That was a big mistake because off the bus comes several Heisman candidates, track stars, blue chip athletes. Ten of the players on the team are going to be next year's first round draft picks. They'd won 19 out of 20 games. They were so big when they walked by the bus, he says, they could see in the bus. They were huge. I mean, you know how high a bus window is, right? They all looked like Goliaths. The game was over before it even started. And it, the coach knew it. So before the game started, the refs bring the coaches to midfield, and the refs want to make sure that both coaches' teams have, are in compliance with the new NCAA helmet regulations for player safety. So the ref says to Robinson, are you good? And he goes, yeah, we're good. And he looks at Walden and he says, are, are you okay, Jim? Are you good? And Jim decides he's going to mess with them. So he says, I don't know. And the ref goes, Jim, don't do this to me. Like, are you, can you play or not? He goes, well, I don't know, but I do know this. If we, if we don't play, we forfeit and we lose six to nothing. If we play, it's going to be a lot worse than that. Without the resurrection, 
You may be facing life feeling like defeat is just like that team did. Life can feel that way. What's the use? Why get up? Why even try? Why try to be holy? Why worship? We might feel like the followers of Christ did right after the resurrection. All you may see is the worst of the world, sinful mankind, and death at the end. Until the resurrection happened, the wages of sin and death was an immovable object. Death was undefeated except for a few miracles in the Bible. We've all been affected by sin, and we all die. We're all going to die in this room unless Jesus comes first, right? Here's the simple truth. Without the gospel, we should feel hopeless. And if you don't know Christ and you feel hopeless, you should. And friends, if you have Christ, you've already won. What overcomes this immovable object of sin and death is the love of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death is overcome by victory. O death, where is your sting? O O death, where is your victory? It's like us looking at death and saying, you got nothing. The sting of sin is death, Paul says, and the power of sin is the law. Now listen. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus took victory from the hands of defeat. It wasn't a surprise to Jesus or God. It was to us. When Jesus rose from the grave, he fulfilled the prophecy in Genesis 3 and crushed the head of Satan. Remember his words right after sin came to the world, the curse to Satan? He says, he, meaning Jesus, the offspring of woman, he will crush your head. And you shall bruise his heel. That's the cross. Jesus is the serpent crusher. And his victory is our victory. We can feel the same elation from that, just like last night's basketball game with a half-court shot for Gonzaga. Did you see those, that team just erupt off the field or off the, off the court? We can be excited, and I hope we're encouraged. The best part is that we win if we're in him over death. His victory is our victory. His victory is your victory. Or it could be. For that victory to be your victory, it requires an action step from you. It requires a moment in time when you move from darkness to light by confession of sin and surrender to Christ. When we die, if we're in Christ, we're present with him in heaven and we'll worship. And we'll worship him. 
He's the one that earned the victory, but he gives us the trophy. The trophy that we get is him. And he invites us like an Olympic team at the gold medal ceremony all up to the podium. Our trophy is him. His trophy is us. And I can think of a lot better trophies for God than me. How about you? But if I'm his trophy, if you're his trophy, he must really love us. Soma, your work for the Lord will not be in vain. You'll never regret your labors for Christ. All of the wrongs in this world will be defeated, and you'll be a part of it. Justice wins. Now, that's a great story, and it's true. And if you don't believe it, I'll bet, I'll bet you'll wish it were true. The, the resurrection says we won because we're offered victory from the power and penalty of sin and death. Father, you overcame death, and you've offered that victory to us. May everyone here believe it and put their faith in you. Amen. to Monday and don't get to join us because of some illness in their family. Um, and so I thought, they're watching the live stream. Why don't we just say we love you, Westcotts, all together, right? We love you, Westcotts. All right. Actions do speak louder than words. And the resurrection of Jesus, like Steve said, communicates what? I'm here. And then Jeff said... We win. And fundamentally, at its core, the resurrection says, I love you. The, um, always, sorry, I always hate, like, after an emotion. So, Romans 5. All through his spirit, and it's the reason you are the joy. You. You. Sure. You. Because of the resurrection, that Jesus is now right hand of the Father. And, and that great love is not only something we remember from the past, but he's alive. And we get to experience his love through his spirit more fully one day face to face. In, in many places in the Bible, uh, there's a metaphor of Jesus being the groom and church, us, being his that this is time there were kind of three stages of marriage we call them the parade and the feast and we'll, we'll talk about that so that betrothal we think of as engagement um, was more than that 
It was a contract between the parents of the bride and the groom, and it often involved payment, like a dowry. And it might happen a long time before the couple was to live together. And it was legally binding. So at that point, when the contract is signed, these two are legally married. They're actually married at that point, even though they're not living together in a house yet. And, and not experiencing that life together. So the custom was that at midnight, after the, the groom had prepared the, the place where they were going to live together, at midnight, the, the groom and, all of his, and a bunch of his male friends would come to the bride's house carrying, you know, and so it was essentially this happy lantern-lit parade through town from the, the groom's house to the bride's house. The bride would be there with her female friends, and they'd join the parade and go back to the groom's house. And then there was the feast, right? This is the celebration, the, the, the actual wedding and, and a celebration that could last for many days, and a celebrating this uh, moment of the marriage coming into fullness. And in this biblical metaphor where Jesus is the groom and we are the, the church or his bride, Jesus' death is the payment, the dowry. And that down payment cost him everything. It's far more than we think we're worth. That action speaks louder than words. Right? The king of the universe is willing to shed his own blood to buy us, to redeem us. Uh, that's it's amazing. It's unfathomable. Right? It's mind-blowing. And so if the death, if Jesus' death is the dowry, his resurrection is proof that the check cleared. Right? The pay, excuse me, the payment was enough. That's a, that's a moment for an amen. amen. All right? I, we're, I, I want us to remember, like, if, if we get to sell, if we should celebrate at all, this is the moment, right? It's Easter. We'll shout for our, our sports teams or, you know, our kids at their, you know, at their play at school or whatever, but this is a moment, right, that we can, we can remember and, and celebrate again the goodness of Jesus. So, John 14 says, um, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you can also be. And Revelation 19 says that at the return of the king, he'll be riding a white horse with fire in his eyes. He'll have many jeweled crowns and, and tattooed on his thigh, it'll say, king of kings. Excuse me. King of kings and Lord of lords. And, and the resurrection is the precursor to that triumphant return. 1 Corinthians 15 says, If Christ had not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. So the, the resurrection says, I love you, because it means he's coming back. And, and then there's going to be a feast like no other, right? Think the best party of all time 
anywhere in the universe, literally, right? This will be the, the, the best moment of, that any of us have ever experienced, the wedding feast of the Lamb. Revelation 21, at the very end of the Bible, tells this story. So, and I want to read a big chunk of it. And it tell, it's described really vividly. And so just imagine this. Close your eyes if you'd like to, if that helps you. But imagine um, the end of the story, the feast. And John said, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. And can I pause for some specifics here? Think about what this means. No more racism. No more injustice. No more oppression, no more crime, no more money problems. How about an amen there? And no more isolation, yes. No more depression, yes. No more anxiety, yes. No more fear, yes. No more shame, yes. No more broken relationships. Yes. No more hurt. Yes. No more disease. Yes. No more COVID. Yes. No more death. None of that. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city had no need of of sun or moon, to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it, light, gives it its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The resurrection says, I love you, because it is the guarantee of a future where everything is made right. Father, help us to revel in your extravagant love now, and to live with hope that you will one day make all things new. Amen.